Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hi everyone, welcome back and a new episode of the Doggy Pod is looming and I'm Dr. Rob Zammett. Yes, Rob is one of Australia's leading vets and I'm I'm not, I'm a producer. My name's Stephen Peters and in this week's episode we explore another of our dog's emotions, excluding barking dogs, which you can hear in the background. There's always dogs wandering around our studio here. But uh, the emotion is, can dogs actually get jealous? Rob, can you tell those dogs to shut up? No, I shouldn't be rude, but uh, they're, they, they always get a little excited when we're recording a new episode of the Doggy Pod. Um, well, one of the things I will tell you is uh, some of the latest work that's being done with dogs in the medical world and detecting diseases in humans. Which is absolutely amazing. Mm. And thanks to everyone for sending in your questions to thedoggypod at gmail.com each week. Rob uh, will endeavour to answer one or two every week. It might take a while, so keep listening. Uh, we'll eventually get to your question. Yeah, I'll tell you what, some good questions. I told you, we've got intelligent listeners. All the dumb ones don't get to listen to us. <laughs> and also, Dr. Rob's top five is back for this week. He's going to tell us his top five breeds of dog, breed of dogs, that he wished he'd owned. Mm. That he never owned, and but the top five he wished he did own. But we'll get to that in a minute. But firstly, what's been happening at the clinic this week, Rob? Yeah, I had uh, an unusual case of bladder stones. We do see urinary stones, urinary never bladder. Heard of bladder stones. Oh yeah, just just like humans get stones, you know, in the kidney stones, uh, dogs get them mainly in the bladder. And the, what was unusual about this is this dog was only two and a half, three years old. Right. Yet normally they're much older before I see stones forming. What were the symptoms? Well, he was having a little bit of trouble urinating and blood in the urine continually. Mm. And I thought I, I was baffled, thinking of yeah, the age group was just didn't even, didn't really come across my radar until I, you know, did the X-ray and then and the ultrasound. Both of those showed stones in the bladder, so we had to operate to get those stones out because there was just way too many to to try and pass. The dog would have hurt the dog too much. And what causes bladder stones? Usually diets that end up with high salts in the in the bladder, that's one of the things. And it may not be diet, it just can be the dog's metabolism, and you just get a high amount of salts in the urine. 
retention of these salts and crystals will certainly lead to that sort of formation. Um, the pH of the urine is pretty critical. Often with uh, people, we like to see what's called alkaline or high pH. In dogs, we want acid pH. And if the pH goes up above acid levels, then it's possible that they can form stones. The type of stones, 50% of them are a thing called struvite crystals, which really love an alkaline environment. So the first thing you've got to do is operate, and I have done that. So what did you do with this dog? I opened his bladder up, pulled all the stones out, and you've got to be so careful because it's easy to miss. Some of them are tiny, and you then hope they'll pass them if you miss them. But you've just got to try and get every stone out. You can. I had a, a little bottle full of stones, tiny little stones. So the poor dog must have been in agony. He was in a lot of pain, and then we flush it out, and then we catheterize it, make sure there's no stones in the tube going from the. And this was a male, from the tip of the penis right up to the bladder, that tube, the urethra. Try and make sure that's all clear, and sew it all up, and then wait. And you know, when you're sewing a bladder up, you know, in inside the abdomen. It's got to be watertight. Mm. <laughs> you don't want any leakage. That's got to be waterproof. Uh, but we did all that, and he's gone home. We'll let that all settle down. We'll get the stones analysed. And then once the healing has occurred, we'll bring him back and get some urine and check the pH of his urine. So then we need to look at what we're going to give him to try and either acidify or, you know, make his urine a bit more alkaline if that's the case but mostly in nearly every case I've ever had we've had to acidify the urine we need to give them something in their food and it can be a combination of things vitamin C ascorbic acid mm. acidifies the urine you have various breeds there's one breed that stands out the Dalmatian they get urate crystals What's, what are urate crystals? you prob- may have heard of uric acid they're the crystals that form in your joints when you have gout. Right. Are their uh, crystals black and white? Uh, <laughs> white ones, black ones, white ones? Well, that's the worst part about See, the dogs thought that was funny. Yeah, they like that joke. Their crystals you can't x-ray. You can, when you x-ray them, the x-rays go right through them. Now, before we go any further, you may remember we ran a competition last week for Ollie's Box. Ollie's Box is a monthly subscription you can get, which uh, delivers treats and all sorts of goodies to your door every month uh, for your dog. Anyway, we were giving away two Ollie's Boxes, thanks to our friends at Ollie's Box, and uh, the question was, what was Dr. Rob's first ever dog? And regular listeners will probably know, but we gave a few hints. Uh, And hundreds of you sent replies. Thank you very much. And the answer, of course, was a German Shepherd named Strauss. And we have two winners. Uh, It's Caroline Walker from uh, ACT and Jennifer Stavely Alexander from Queensland. Thanks, everybody, for entering. We really appreciate it. Now, it probably comes uh, to, as no surprise to a lot of our doggy pod listeners that um, dogs are amazing creatures and they can do all sorts of things and some of them could well be called doctors. They should be called doctors because they can detect diseases in humans. And um, I know that recently dogs are being used to detect COVID. 
Oh, look, it's just amazing. Dogs are fascinating creatures with not just their ability to smell, but also their ability to use that sense to help humans so much. And yes, detecting COVID is one of the things. You see, dogs are blessed with 220 million scent receptors. 220 million. How many do humans have? 10 million. Not so much. We're not so good. So 10 million for humans, and how many? 220 million. Right. You know, it's just an unbelievable uh, nostril that they have that they can smell. People say they can smell either somewhere between 10,000 to 100,000 times uh, things that humans can detect. Just incredible. You know, we've used them, of course. We know for drugs, um, for bombs, even for termites. You know, there's a termite dog. (laughs) They can take dogs to a a place and a house and the dog goes in. Often, for some reason, they use cocker spaniels and the dog will, yep, it will alert you if there's termites somewhere in that house knows it before anyone can ever detect them in any other way. But in in medicine, I, and I had a client whose dog kept nudging her under the arm, and she went to there, it was a Saluki, wasn't trained for it, but mm. she went to the doctor and said, look, my dog just keeps bothering me under here, I don't know what's wrong, and the doctor had to feel, well, you've got a lump there, and it turned out to be cancer. Mm. The dog was not trained for it. But how, I still don't understand how a dog can do that, though. Well, because they, they're a special... Um, things within the the pathology, usually with like say with cancer or with COVID, mm. they're called volatile organic compounds, and each um, bug or or cancer cell has a particular volatile organic compound that you can train a dog to smell. You, know, you just take them into a cancer ward, and when you go up to a cancer patient, you make them sit and give them a little bit of food. Right, okay. And you, you go up to someone else that's got cancer, make them sit, give them a bit of food. You have to ask the people, of course they don't mind. No, of course not. And after a while, the dog starts, oh, when there's that smell and I sit, I get fed. And they start relating to that in that way. Same with COVID. Um, then there's other things that they do. Narcolepsy, you know, when people just fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Dogs can be trained to keep people awake when that happens. Because you get people that drive cars that are narcoleptic. That can get dangerous. The dog, so a dog can be trained to know that this person shouldn't be falling asleep. Yep, straight away. And then boom, bark, and oh, okay, I'm awake. I'll, wow. I'm awake, I'll drive carefully. Dogs can be trained for, to detect low blood sugar in people. There's plenty of people go into seizures when their blood sugar gets too low, but the dog knows you know, he can either smells the, the volatile compound or the lack of smell, uh, or certain behaviours that you're doing and alert someone. They do it with migraines. They do it with seizures. With There, there are parents that thank God for the dog because when the baby's having a seizure, a young child's having a seizure, the dog starts barking and in they go. They can tell, of course, when people have fear and stress. And not only do they alert the person or alert people that's happening, but they can calm that person down. And there's many more diseases that they're, they're looking at. Migraines. You know, if you get a migraine coming on, mm. sometimes you don't know it's coming on. If you, if you can get to the medication long before the migraine starts, <clears throat> that can avert the migraine itself. You know, they can tell when someone's uncomfortable even before the person knows that they're uncomfortable, whether it's how they hold their face. Remember we did that series on dogs staring and reading your face? 
The dogs can do that. They see different wrinkles, whatever it is, subtle things, subtle changes. We don't realise they're so important in day-to-day life and you just thank God for the dog because they can be trained to pick up early so many diseases, prostate cancers. It goes on, the list goes on and on, Stephen. It's just frightening. And this is sometimes some of these diseases can be picked up long before all the equipment that the doctor has available to them can ever, can ever detect. So they can do more intrusive tests sometimes to confirm the dog's suspicions, but guess what? The dog's always right. So there you go. And uh, Get a dog, save yourself a lot of time and trouble going to a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> well, it probably prevents you from the need to go to the doctor because it lowers your blood pressure, keeps you calm, it lowers your heart rate and stops you getting all stressed out. You heard it here first, folks. Thanks again, everyone, for sending in your questions to thedoggypod at gmail.com each week. We love reading them, and every week we'll try, well, we will get around to answering one or two of them. And this week... We have a question from Pam, and Pam's question is, she wants some advice and suggestions on dog breeds to consider for an older household. A dog breed that can be lifted, managed uh, in a quiet environment, yet provides security. And, quote, it has to be a house dog. Whoa. That probably narrows it down a bit, I guess. I don't know. What's, what breeds would fit in that category? Well, Ron? of course, the Shih Tzu comes to mind. Shih Tzu translates to the word little lion. Shih Tzus Ah. are over a thousand years old. They used to uh, sit around in different places, temples and palaces with the big dogs, hang with the big dog. The big dogs were the Tibetan Mastiffs because Shih Tzus are from Tibet, not China, they're Tibet. And so they would sit with the Tibetan Mastiffs and they would alert when someone was coming. Yeah, the best Tibetan Mastiffs are probably really powerful dogs as a, as a guard dog, but they're a bit sleepy. Yeah. The Shih Tzu, up, up and about, and tells them, get over there and do your work. <laughs> and they are a very good dog. They can be independent. You can have them in long hair or you can have the hair trimmed every few weeks if you wish. Uh, delightful dogs with people, happy to you know, meet people and be with people. They're always wanting a pat from anyone when you go for a walk. They will want to, a, a nice socialised Shih Tzu will certainly want to go and get patted by everyone. Sometimes called the chrysanthemum dog because of this beautiful hair that they've got around the head and it looks you know, a little bit like that flower. Mm. Just gorgeous little dog. So that's one breed I would certainly think about. The French walking dog, the Bichon Frise, oh, yeah. is another good one. Um, good because they don't drop coat, so you know, they have to be trimmed as well, uh, so they don't get matted and that, but they, their coat is similar to a poodle's coat. Uh, very good dogs. They're, they're you know, sharp as, in, as a tack as far as letting you know there's someone outside, but they're not constant barkers. They're just a, a good inside dog, not too heavy, easily picked up. They're two breeds that just come to mind straight up for me. That sounds like a good answer to the question. Thanks, Dr. Rob. So over the last few episodes, we've been talking about um, 
doggy moods and doggy traits, I guess, that uh, are similar to human traits, like uh, can they feel shame, we talked about in a couple of episodes, a couple of episodes ago. Now, can dogs get jealous? Mm, Well, if you don't know that dogs can get jealous, then you probably have only had one or two dogs throughout your life. Boy, do they, most, most of them will get jealous at some stage. Jealous uh, mo- of, of mo- people getting close to their masters, their human... All of those things are, are possible. I mean, the, the good type of jealousy that every father will tell you is when the dog is jealous of the daughter's boyfriend. That's, that's a good dog. Good dog. I like that jealousy. Get in there. <laughs> um, and, and that happens, I'm telling you, so many times where uh, the father can leave the dog in there in the room. When they get a bit close, the boyfriend and the daughter, the dog starts barking, giving him the way. And, get your, get you your hands off her. <laughs> exactly. So, right. I love those dogs. But, yeah, dogs get jealous of everything. The most thing they do get jealous of, of course, is other pets or other dogs. And they see them as rivals. And... I have that with two males that I have in in the room with me very often. Two male dogs, one's C-Sex, one's not, Peyton and Opie. If I'm patting Peyton at all, Opie comes right up in between and gets in there. Mm. If uh, Peyton jumps on the bed when I'm there, yeah, Opie does the same thing straight away. And he doesn't like the other dog giving as much attention as him. He's got to be the number one. He accepts it. He accepts me giving attention to both of them but what do you do about it because if you get two dogs that become jealous of each other Mm. it can end up in guess what fighting no surprise so important when you do that to walk the two dogs together take them for walks not separate but together form the pack have them on a lead together side by side not one not you in the middle of them and just walk fast don't don't let them stop and fight each other or anything like that Feeding, that's different. I do feed them together, but I stay in between the two feed bowls. So, no, you go over there, you're not sniffing his bowl. Because that's resource guarding. I've given them that resource, that food. I've given you that resource, that food. You stay within your own territory and eat your food. But they're eating together, but I'm keeping an eye on things. I would not... Yeah, a bone, I never give dogs bones to, when there's more than one dog in the, in the area and walk away. Never would I do that. What, even if you give them a bone each? <clears throat> nope. One dog will get put in this yard, that dog will go in that yard, that dog will go in the garage or with the laundry, whatever. But when you're giving bones, yes, you know, the old dog and a the bone, they guard that resource quite viciously. And you don't want to start fights with your dog. So if you're giving bones and you've got more than one dog... People do do it now and then get away with it. Yeah, good, I'm glad. But I've seen the results of when they don't get away with it and it's ugly people and I don't want to have to to put dogs together again like that. So then training. Um, I love to train dogs. Obedience was my first love in dogs. When I started with Strauss, my German Shepherd, we went to dog training. We used to catch the train to dog training, would you believe? Because I was too young to drive. And every Sunday morning, I'd buy him a ticket and we'd get on the train together and go down to to uh, Tempe <clears throat> to the park there. But he would um, always <clears throat> uh, teach me things about training. And then when I got the second dog and we had two dogs together, I would allow them to do things, interact together during training, doing little behaviours, one jumping over the other, 
was a lot of fun, especially if you get one jumping over and then standing still and the other one takes a turn. So they take turns of jumping over each other. Yeah, it's, it they sounds, become a bit of a, bit of a team. Yeah, mm. and, and all of a sudden they're doing something to please you, but they're having fun doing it and they're doing it together. And so that's a great thing if you can do that. And if you get them playing together, just with you supervising, that's also makes it easier. But do dogs get jealous? You betcha. Jealous versus possessiveness is different. Now, they can be possessive about things, especially about you. <clears throat> they can be protective about you. Mm. And that's different to jealousy as well. And training can sort all of that out for you. But jealousy, never, ever any good if you let, let it go, even with the boyfriend. <laughs> you've, got, you've got to manage it some, at some point in time, I guess. All righty, it's time for one of uh, your favourite uh, little segments on the Doggy Pod. It's Dr. Rob's Top Five. Now, this time, he is going to tell us his top five dog breeds that he wished he owned, that he's never owned, and a little bit on why. But first, drum roll, please. What uh, at number five? What is it? Well, and if your breed's not in this five or ten breeds that I'm about Don't to nominate... Don't take it personally. Five, Rob. Top yeah, five. No, five big dogs and five little dogs I've got. Okay, let's rattle through them. The <laughs> top ten, apparently, dog breeds that Dr. Rob <laughs> wished he owned. In the big dog category, uh, I've never owned a Kelpie or a cattle dog. And I think they're very similar. Australian cattle dog and Australian Kelpie. Very different in a lot of ways for me, but um, people say, oh, yeah, they're the same. But, yeah, Australian cattle dog and Australian Kelpie. Lovely working dogs. Good Lord, Australia owes them a big, big debt, I promise you. And uh, lovely dogs to train. I've seen them train. And again, for me, it's behaviour. Cattle dogs, ever so loyal, as is the Kelpie. The Kelpie would do anything for you. Stand on its back legs if that's what you want all day. Coming in at number four. Oh, and the big dogs still? Yeah. The Baracco Italiano. Just beautiful to look at. Never lovely, soft temperament. Yeah, big foldy lips and things, but I've just always watched these, admired these dogs from afar, watching the, the way they move. What's it called again? Bracco Italiano. Coming in at number three. In the big dog category is the Hungarian Vizsla. Soft, silky coat, soft, gorgeous hearts, beautiful, again, very adaptable to a family environment. Coming in at number two. Yeah, I'm going to own one of these one day, the Legato Romagnolo, or the Italian... You just like saying all oh, these beautiful. The Italian truffle dog. It's not ah. because I like truffles, though. I'll tell you what, more, more expensive than gold per yeah. weight. Stephen, we could get a whole lot of these and go down to Tasmania and get the truffles. Yeah, in Canberra as well. Coming in at number one, top big dog breeds that Dr. Rob wish he owned. And I've bought a couple of these for myself and always give them away because it's someone in more need than me at the time. Golden Retrievers, and along uh -huh. with the Golden Retrievers, the Labradors. I love both of those breeds. Intelligence, admire them as well. Just Golden Retrievers are often my go-to breed for big dogs that people want as a family dog, as are Labradors. Just lovely, lovely dogs. And trainability, well, we've all seen the Labradors with the harness on doing such beautiful work as guide dogs. Okay, number five in the small dog breeds that you wished you owned. The French Bulldog. Yeah, you've, you've got to say. Don't you own a French Bulldog? No, no, no. I oh. have never owned one. I've had uh, relatives that have, and so right. they stay here sometimes and they're very close. Coming in at number four. The Toy 
poodle. I've owned miniature poodles. I've owned standard poodles. Never owned a toy poodle. So if I was having a little dog, I'd look at the toy poodle. Coming in at number three. Yeah, the Yorkshire Terrier. Surprising little dog. Uh, some of my friends have them, and one of my relatives recently bought one and just loves her little Yorkie. Just loves her to death. So Tash, with that little Yorkie up in Newcastle, well done you. Number two is... The Shetland Sheepdog. Lovely working dog. You'd be surprised how good they are at herding. Just tiny little dogs, but they can herd. Okay, so what is the number one dog, small dog, that you wish you'd owned? The Shih Tzu. Just, oh. again, the you know, good guard dog. The funny thing is, if you read about the Shih Tzu, people say you can't train them. And yet, I have a friend who's a veterinarian, and when she was 14 years old, trained one to get obedience titles. Very trainable, very manageable dogs. They are very intelligent, and I think that's why people find that they can't train them, because the Shih Tzu runs rings around them. <laughs> Too smart for them, yes. There you go, folks. That was the top, well, it was supposed to be five, but it was ten. All right, thank you for listening to this episode of the Doggy Pod. We really appreciate it. We love getting your emails as well. Please continue to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And, you know, as always, tell your friends. Um, and as always, Dr. Rob's got, I'd like, to, I'd like to call them words of wisdom, but sometimes it kind of doesn't end up that way. But let's, let's, <laughs> let's see how we go. Uh, what's your words of wisdom this week, Rob? Mm, well, some people say I'm a cranky old man at times. All I know is... I'm never cranky when I'm when it's just the dog and me. How could you be? Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.